Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So today's primary day, very important primaries happening around the country. I'm going to give you the what you need to know, what to look for, and most importantly, why it matters. We're also going to debunk more left-wing nonsense, stupid conspiracy theories, which I know and I understand. Believe me, I understand. We'll do nothing to dissuade liberal lunatics from pursuing said conspiracy theories in the future. But you'll be smarter for it, and you can see how the other side is populated deeply by morons. I'll get to that. Also, the World Economic Forum has just been, it's ongoing now in Davos, has just been a bevy of new material for the show. Everything you wanted to know about the dystopian future is right there in the World Economic Forum, right there for you to see. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using your computer without a VPN? It's like leaving your computer on a table at a restaurant while you go to the bathroom. Listen, most of the time you may be okay. You really want to take that chance? Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I also have for you a moment of comic relief, proving my point again, Joseph, that the dumbest people on planet Earth find themselves in both politics and the entertainment industry. Here is conclusive Court-backed evidence that that's true coming up later. Today's show brought to you by LifeLock. LifeLock. Listen, don't get your identity stolen. It happened to me. It was a total mess. Took me about six months to clean it up. The rise in popularity of cryptocurrency over the last decade has attracted legitimate investors as well as some fraudsters. These cybercriminals use Ponzi schemes, fake investment scams, trading scams, and fake giveaways to steal your money and personal information. The best advice when it comes to cryptocurrency is to never reply to messages that sound too good to be true. It's important to understand our cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. It certainly affected mine. Your personal information gets exposed so often, making it dangerously easy for a cybercriminal to steal your identity. Protecting your identity can be easy with LifeLock by Norton. LifeLock detects and alerts you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own, like loans taken out in your name. If you do become a victim of identity theft, the dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Listen, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. I have it. Get it. It's worth it. LifeLock identity theft protection starts right here. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash Bongino. That's LifeLock.com slash Bongino. For 25% off, thanks, LifeLock. All right, Joe, let's go. And we're off, baby. We are off. Uh, folks, listen, um, I understand fully that doing facts and data on the show to um, debunk and discredit hilarious, nonsensical, ridiculous, lying, left-wing conspiracy theories will do nothing to stop them from lying. Their entire lives are a lie. We get that. I mean, everything they've told you about taxes, about voting, about public safety, about schools, about health care, about regulations is garbage, extensive garbage. Understood. But it's our job to put out the truth. OK, it's our job to put out the truth and pass that to the next generation. So we were told, of course, that the voting law, the voting laws and the changes in Georgia that just happened, that they were going to lead to mass voter suppression. We were told which sounds kind of racist to me, Joe. Does this sound racist to you, Joe? Yeah. Black people would not be able to figure out how to get voter IDs if they implement voter IDs. Joe, that sounds racist to me. That's Does that very, sound racist yeah, to you? Very, very, v- very racist. Yes. Now, this is unanimous. On a radio show, I asked Jim and Mike yesterday, producers, the same question, Joe. And immediately they said, yes, that sounds really racist. Right. So yeah. it's unanimous yes, it that is. black people somehow can't figure out how to vote if you ask them for voter ID. So, of course, continued reports are coming in now that today is the official primary day in the state of Georgia and other states as well, Arkansas and elsewhere. I'll get to that later. Uh, Georgia, according to Just the News, is now seeing record early voting turnout despite voter suppression claims. Folks, again, I, I, I know I covered this story yesterday, but the reason I'm covering it again today is because the numbers continue to come in at record. So uh, you may comment and say, well, well, that was just yesterday's record. Or, or black people figured out just yesterday how to vote, but they won't be able to figure out today, which also sounds very racisty, right? I just want to show you that every day the records keep piling up despite claims by the left that this was definitely going to, revote, uh, going to result in black people not being able to figure out how to vote, which I, I, I don't, 
again, I said to you yesterday, and I'll ask you again today, what is it like to be so freaking stupid all the time? What is it like? Well, here's what it's like. Here is a video from yesterday. We had to make sure this was from yesterday. I got it from Tom Elliott at Grabian. Here is a, a, a noted clown and a, a, a intergalactic laughing stock of a human being, Yamich Alcindor, who finds, amazingly, Joe, finds racism in everything except for actual racism. Of course. Like claiming black people cannot figure out how to vote due to voter ID. That's kind of racisty. Yamich doesn't see that, though. Yamich, even yesterday, who claims hilariously, hilariously to be a journalist, Yamich Alcindor yesterday, this is even after what I told you, that voter numbers and election day and pre-election numbers are coming in in records and are going to come in in record numbers today. Despite the fact she claims to be a journalist who does facts, she is still, still going on cable news and telling people that these Georgia laws suppress black voters. Why? Because they're idiots. They're idiots. This is a very dumb person still moving forward, trying to divide this country. Here, listen for yourself. The, the reason that communities of color in Georgia don't have the same access to the polls is a lie. It's BS. As, as, as you're reporting, Nick's entire body of reporting on the voter suppression laws will, will prove. So they took away access to the polls on the back of a big lie in service of Donald Trump. Uh, they took access uh, absolutely because of of a, of a lie, but also I would say that there also is racism in there, and the racism is a lie, both, right? right? Right, exactly. It's like the lie and racism, which is a lie, which is that these black people don't, they don't deserve the access to, to citizenship in the way that other Americans do. That they haven't worked for it. That they don't that they don't understand sort of the the weight of American democracy, and as a result, we need to make decisions for them. By the way, don't leave Nicole Wallace out of the clown show either. Uh, Nicole Wallace is 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 mercenary. So just be let's be very clear on that. Nicole Wallace claimed to be a Republican while she was grifting off Republican candidates. I mean, so, a Judas of the highest order, and then was offered money by MSNBC to become a Judas turncoat. And now all of a sudden, she parrots nonsense narratives about how black people's access to the ballot's been taken away. Can they read the data? Am I missing something? Georgia early voter turnout breaks records. Am I missing something? And, and, and how is it that Twitter and Facebook and these social media outlets that focus on so-called disinformation, how come they don't highlight this? Where's Bill McCarthy? Where's Tom Kircher, the fact checkers? Bill McCarthy who still hasn't collected his hundred grand I offered him to prove his lie. It's amazing. Amazing. A hundred thousand cash. It's a nice payout. Where are they? This is obvious disinformation. Where are the fact checkers? Nowhere to be found because they're hacks. They're goons. They're clowns. Folks, I'm a little hostile this morning. I'm sorry. I really, I got a, I got a lot to get to today. It's a busy primary day. And I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm having one of those mornings where I wake up and I'm like, what, what? I don't understand what we have to do. I genuinely don't understand what we have to do. Voter integrity measures, they're racist. Can you prove they're racist? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, we have a greater turnout than we've ever had before. And yet, still, liberal goons on MSNBC and fact checkers and losers go out and divide the country and ignore the real racism in claiming black people are too dumb to figure out voter ID. It's, 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 it's really hard to get your arms around. And... You know, as I always told you, the media is obviously in on this monster scam. They're in on other scams, too, trying to do whatever they can in a protection racket to protect liberal candidates while doing everything they can to attack Republicans. We already know that the Atlanta, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is the latest in this issue of Republicans Pounce. Not much of a dancer. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it depends. In the right move, maybe a couple of vino tintos. Who knows? Here's the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So, a woman running for governor, Stacey Abrams. She thinks she's the governor now. She's a Democrat running in Georgia. You probably know who she is. She is the president of Earth and Star Trek. Look that up. It's not a. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, 
you know, the media industry, as I said, politicians and entertainment business populated by the great legendary idiots of our society. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, GOP jumps. Joe didn't pounce, they jump. <laughs> jump, that is new. That is new. They jump on Stacey Abrams' comment calling Georgia, quote, the worst state to live in. So, now if this was a Republican that, that, uh, who had said this, Stacey Abrams is running for governor of Georgia and said it is, quote, the worst state to live in. I don't know if that's such of a sa- I don't know about how much of a sales pitch that is. I'm not really sure. That's like running to be president of Coca-Cola, be like, this is the worst cola I've ever had. This tastes <laughs> like elephant urine. I'm not sure that's a pitch. Uh, Joe, pitch? It's not a pitch, right? It's uh, different, man. <laughs> it's different. It is different. It's a new approach. <laughs> I wonder if the approach. Stacey Abrams Star Trek episode, <laughs> if she as president of Earth was like, and by the way, if you come to Earth, don't ever visit Georgia. Man, does that place suck? It's the worst place state to live in. So, of course, this is a pretty big, I would say scandal, but a pretty big faux pas. I mean, it's not a scandal per se, but it's definitely an enormous Hillary Clinton deplorable-like faux pas. So again, instead of the story being about the faux pas, which believe me, it would be if Brian Kemp had said it or David Perdue, it would be all over. You know, Brian Kemp disgraces the state of Georgia. David Perdue, loser, out of touch. No, the story is, as always, about the Republican response, not what Stacey Abrams did. It is a pathetic, pathetic way to take the attention off this failed candidate, Stacey Abrams, and her election lies. The story was written by Patricia Murphy, Greg Bluestein, and Tia Mitchell. Apparently, it put, took three people on a byline to invent a Republican's pounce story. They jumped this time. Jumpers. Now we're jumpers, not just pouncers. Just oh, three of them all together. Maybe they cracked a triple-digit IQ with the combined IQ of all three. Now, there's a lot going on primary day. I'll give you a quick rundown because you know we'll know by the end of tonight, probably around 9, 10 o'clock. Uh, it depends. Not if they model it after Pennsylvania, where magically, like the third world, we still can't figure out who won the Pennsylvania primary. It's just incredible. This is really stunning. You know, you take a poll on on Twitter about who sucks worse, a Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, or Joe Biden, you'll have the results the minute the poll closes. But it's really stunning. In the richest country on earth, in one of the biggest states uh, and economically powerful states in the country, Pennsylvania, we still don't know if Dr. Oz or McCormick won. That's really, really incredible. Today, though, Georgia. Here's what to look out for in Georgia. David Perdue is primarying the current governor, Brian Kemp, who's running for re-election. They will face Stacey Abrams, who's running unopposed, who thinks Georgia is the worst state to live in. <laughs> I can't get <laughs> Vote Georgia. Come here. We're the worst state to live in. That's uh, quite the, as Joe said, very different. The, the, yeah, she's, she's, not, hey, she's not faking it. She really believes that. Stacey Abrams, it's the worst state to live in, which is insane. It's a beautiful state. Savannah, Georgia, man. That Spanish moss hanging from the trees, just an amazing place, right? So this will obviously be painted in light of, because uh, the media sees everything through the Trump lens. Uh, Donald Trump endorsed David Perdue, the challenger to incumbent Brian Kemp. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Perdue, I'm not really a huge fan of polls, folks. They're off, but he's been off quite a bit in some of the polls. So we'll see what happens. It's all going to depend on turnout. But there's another race in Georgia I want you to keep your eyes on, arguably as important. It's that Secretary of State race from uh, Brad Raffensperger, the incumbent, versus a guy I support, Jody Heiss. Raffensperger's been a disaster. After the release of 2,000 Mules, he should be all over this. It's clearly, clearly obvious at this point. There was serious shenanigans in 2020. 2,000 Mules, the movie by Dinesh D'Souza, is just a stunning indictment of what happened there. The fact that Raffensperger's not been more aggressive on this is just inexcusable. And Her- uh, Herschel Walker appears likely, by the way, uh, very, 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 very likely to move on uh, with that U.S. Senate nomination. He'll face Raphael Warnock. So that's Georgia quick. Texas on the Democrat side, you got the Henry Cuellar, Jessica Cisneros race. Only important because the lefty lunatics are endorsing Cisneros and Cuellar is kind of the one of the last of the moderate Democrats left. He's a border state congressman on the Democrat side. If he loses, there's a pretty good chance. The crazy thing is if you're a Republican, you want the crazed Cisneros to win. 
because the chances of us taking back that Democrat-leaning seat are far greater against this nut, Cisneros, endorsed by AOC and the crazy people, um, than they are against Cuellar. Also, you have Ken Paxton versus George P. Bush in a runoff for the AG's race. This is going to be a huge indictment of legacy politics if George P. Bush goes down in flames, which looks pretty likely there. Alabama, you have Mo Brooks, who was endorsed by Trump and then unendorsed, which is uh, strange. Uh, you have Katie Britt um, and you have Mike Durant. I've had two of them on my show. It looks like Mo Brooks has uh, got some momentum going here. Katie Britt, we'll see what happens there. And finally, uh, Jake Baquette has been running a really spirited campaign in Arkansas against John Boozman. We'll see what happens there. That could be another another indictment against the establishment. So we'll obviously have updates for you tomorrow. There's my, in a nutshell, what you need to see for tomorrow. All right, moving on. So, folks, you know my, um, most of the last few years of my life have been spent taking my time, my income, my assets, and my capital, and dedicating it to building out and constructing a parallel economy where you can get away from liberals, censorship, the threat of censorship, and cancel culture. Folks, you can't build a business if at a moment's notice, companies like Stripe, Facebook, Twitter, Salesforce, Twilio, whatever they may be, can cancel you. You can't build a business that way. You can't. My, suggesting to, my suggestion to you, for it's, 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 you know what, the equivalent of, doing that, of building a business using these platforms and not being sure if one day they're just going to cancel you because of your politics is like spending, say, $20 million to build this McMansion of a house, right? And then keeping an ongoing fire pit next to me, keeping your fingers crossed that the house doesn't burn down. Well, the fire pit's nice. Yeah, but the house could burn down. Yeah, it's like, I got my fingers crossed. That's not the way this works. They will bury you. These people. Now, if you, I hate, you know, plugs, but I'm, I'm there. We're there for you. If you use Stripe now, get away. Paralleleconomy.com is our company. We can help you fortify your business in the parallel economy. Paralleleconomy.com. That's my site with our company. Business has been off the charts. As people say to themselves, I got to get away from Stripe. Why? It's not just them. The censorship future is already here. You must escape. It is not optional. Your house is going to burn down. Censorship is now, and canceling, is now a mainstream leftist position. The ACLU and all those old school hippie types that were all about free speech, bro, free love, love, that's all gone. That's all gone. The left is now fully embraced a totalitarian tyrant position that censorship is a good thing. They love it. They openly, I'm going to show you right now, openly run on this. Do not take a chance. Get away from these people as soon as you can. Set up accounts on Truth, Parler, a getter, all of these alternate platforms. Get away. Rumble, of course, which is also an investment of mine, which has been insane. The business is through the roof. Here's what I mean. Keep in mind, these comments I'm about to play to you, from Davos and the Davos crowd and the globalist crowd coming up, all three of those, right? These comments I'm about to play for you are from people who supposedly represent democracies and democratic governments. This is the Australian e-safety commissioner, a woman by the name of Julie Inman Grant, an obvious totalitarian, who's now openly discussing, openly discussing it with the Davos globalist crowd, yeah, yeah, free speech. We got to reevaluate that whole thing. This is a government official in a supposedly free country. <laughs> Good luck there. And thank you to our Australian friends who listen. Julie Inman Grant openly running against free speech. You're not hiding anymore. Listen for yourself. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're, we have increasing polarization everywhere. And everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on- online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. Notice how she equates immediately this is all done deliberately ladies and gentlemen none of this is by accident this is all calculated strategery 
Notice how she uses the term, well, we got to reevaluate free speech and then equates it with online, vi- online violence. What's online violence? Is that like the movie The Ring where the, the creepy girl with the black hair creeps out of your phone and attacks you? Like what's online violence? What does that even mean? What's online violence? Someone pop out poltergeist. Remember poltergeist show? Here, here. I mean, what, well, what happens? Someone comes out of your laptop screen and like grabs you with the clown kid into the closet. Have you never seen poltergeist? It ages pretty well. Craig T. Nelson, remember him, coach? He was the dad. He was the dad. You may want to check that out. What is online? What is she even talking about? Well, I'll tell you what she's talking about. She's talking about conservative speech and political speech. She just doesn't lie. This is a mainstream position right now. These are in free, free air quotes countries. She's not from North Korea. She's not from Venezuela. She's from Australia. Australia. This is the future. This is what the globalist Davos crowd believes in. They're coming for you next. I'm going to show you coming up next. I'm going to give you three quick stories. Bang, bang, bang. Show how this is none of this is going to get any better for you. You have two choices. Fortify yourself now and make yourself censorship proof or get roped into it later when you're fully invested in these companies and can't escape. Those are your only choices. I wish they were different, but they're not. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Why? Because I don't want to be censored. That's why. I can't emphasize to you enough this World Economic Forum Great Reset crowd, how fully invested they are in censorship. They don't want you to be able to speak about what they're doing. Here, all these stories, by the way, will be in my newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Go there. Please subscribe. It is free. It allows me to circumvent these search engines. Media post. Twitter rolls out a crisis misinformation policy. (laughs) You know what the new crisis misinformation policy is, folks? Yeah, you start posting things about Ukraine and, and wars they don't like, you are definitely going to get banned or sanctioned on Twitter. You're going to have some kind of label put over your stuff. Reclaim the net. Cindy Harper, one of my favorite sites. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki, a failed human being by any measure, promises to tackle misinformation to win over corporate cash. Yes, Misinformation. Let me, uh, again, let me just summarize that. Twitter wants to censor conservatives. YouTube is going to censor conservatives all in a bid to win over corporate cash. You will be a part of it. I can't believe to this day, I'm not joking with you. I scrolled through Parler, Truth, Twitter, Fake Book. I look for content all day for shows because there's a lot of lefties on those platforms. I'm always stunned though. How many people on our side of the movement, even moderate Democrats, post on Twitter, I can't believe it. My show got censored by YouTube. Okay. I I don't know how many times I got to tell you to go over to Rumble. But Dan, that's your platform. Would you rather it not be? Would you rather? I don't understand. Like, would you rather us not provide alternatives? I don't understand. Please, please get off these platforms. Susan Wojcicki wants nothing more than to make you go away if you are a conservative or Republican. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. You want to talk about 2,000 mules? Ha, good luck. You want to talk about the whistleblower? Good luck. You want to talk about COVID? Good luck. Masks? Vaccines? So you're only allowed to talk about things Susan Wojcicki says. That's not free speech. 
There are politicians in on the action too, folks. Here, another article reclaimed the net, Cindy Harper. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says online platforms need to use AI to censor. Oh, there you go. AI, artificial intelligence. So you don't even need human intervention. Program AI to say, hey, we really don't like those conservatives. This is all coming. This is all, he even brags about it. We did it to Donald Trump on Twitter. So why aren't we doing it to everyday people? This is, this is the mayor of New York City. Yeah, he says, let's get the Blasio back. Right? I, told, I told, did I not tell you guys? Did I not tell you this guy was a failure? I remember this guy when he was a police officer. Oh, he was yeah. a loser back then. I told you this guy was a zero. And people were like, oh, he's going to be mainstream. Cares about public safety. Yeah, okay, sure. Tell me, I've got experience. I know this guy. We, I did not know him personally. I worked in the police department. He was there. He was nothing more. If there was a camera, Eric Adams was there. If there was a job to do, he wasn't. A camera, he was right there. I warned you. You know, I had a, a AP history teacher, John DiOrio in uh, high school. Good guy. And uh, I, don't know, I think he was a Democrat, but I don't know. But uh, it doesn't matter. He's a, he, his politics, he kind of left it out of it most of the time. But uh, he said to me once, or the class, not me specifically, he said three most powerful people in the world are the, the head of Russia, the U.S. president, and the mayor of New York City. This is a mainstream position. The mayor of New York City He's not some... Uh, dog catcher in East Tuna Fish telling you they need to censor more people. And it doesn't even bat an eyelash, folks. This would have elicited howls from the ACLU and the hippies in the 60s. Not now. The police state, censorship, that's what they're all about. Here's one of those guys who loves the censorship moving forward. This is Great Resetter, the champion of the Great Reset, who, again, literally wrote a book called The Great Reset. This is Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, the globalists that want a new censorship future. This was really a stunning statement yesterday. Him talking about the future is built by us. The future is built by us. And he starts talking about, I want you to pay very close attention, how moving forward, the future and the economy moving forward are going to be built by, he uses this word very deliberately. I want you to listen for it. Stakeholders. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't talk about corporations and businesses being responsible for shareholders. In other words, people who actually own the business, equity holders, workers who have stock options, management. He's not talking about them. He's talking about stakeholders. You know, NGOs, liberal activist groups who want to pressure corporations. Listen to how he slides that in at the end. The future is built by us. Check this out. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. That is one of the most important 40 plus 50 seconds, whatever of content you're going to see for possibly in the next couple of years, because it lays out everything they plan to do in one 50 second clip. Yeah. Goosebumps. It happens rarely talking because this is, I hear this a lot and I see it on social media feeds where people are like, man, the globalists are taking over. And sometimes I say to people, what are the globalists? What do you mean? Because we got to talk specifics. And you get back the oddest of answers. This is what, when I say globalists, this is what I'm talking about. A man who believes in two things, that the global agenda supersedes a national agenda. In other words, the United States here, we should subjugate ourselves to global authorities and global groups like the World Economic Forum. 
And he believes it should be done in the name of stakeholder capitalism. He doesn't use the word capitalism because they hate that word because they're socialists. Stakeholder capitalism. In other words, the United States, you here in your business, if you believe in making widgets, your widgets should be used to benefit everywhere else in the globe but the, but the business in your local community because they're stakeholders. But to those people around the globe in other countries around the world, do they own any stake? In, no, no, they don't own any, any actual shares in the business, but they're stakeholders because we're all on the same globe. No, 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 no. That's not the way any of this works. Stakeholder capitalism. I've told you before, when you hear this term, run for the hills. Run. What it means is subjugate yourself to Russian, North Korean, Cuban, African, European, Indian, any interest of a country that is not yours. No, no, no. I'll show you more about what I mean in a second. Uh, let me get to this. We actually believe in shareholder capitalism here, where if you invest in a company, you should have a say. Let me get to my, my next sponsor, and I'll describe more about this, uh, this stake. When you see stakeholder, run away. It means global interests, not your interests. Folks, ex-chair, with both summer temperatures and gas prices rising quickly, you've got plenty of reasons to feel heated these days. That's why I love the ex-chair sitting in it right now. With X-Chair's unique LMAX temperature regulation and massage features, I can stay cool while I'm working, and it's hot down here in Florida. Can your office chair cool you off and give you a massage while you're working? If not, then you need the X-Chair. I've got one. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented DVL, it's dyna dynamic variable lumbar support to support your lower back, you'll never be comfortable in another office chair again. Listen, take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back, I promise. How do you get X-Chair? Go to xchairbongino.com now. That's the letter X, chair, B-O-N-G-I-N-O.com, xchairbongino.com. And you'll get $100 off your order. It's a great chair. Looks good and it feels great. X-Chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. Go to xchairbongino.com now. Check it out. Okay. So stakeholder capitalism. You know, they have a great piece in the Wall Street Journal by Phil Graham and Mike Salon. You know, I use their stuff often. Talking about this stakeholder capitalism war on enlightenment. Keep in mind, when they say stakeholders, I will tell you again, they don't mean you. Employees and people who actually have equity in the company. They mean global interests that are not yours. Environmental, activist groups, NGOs, everything else. So, so Phil, uh, Phil Graham and Mike Salon make a great point. The shareholders are you. Yet these global interests are everybody but you. How do they prove these shareholders are you? Well, he talks about it. He says the initial target of this extortion, talking about these ESG globalist groups pushing for environmental activism in companies. Stakeholders, stakeholders argue that rich capitalists who own big businesses already get more than they deserve. But since roughly 70%, 70% of corporate revenues go to labor, the biggest losers in stakeholder capitalism are workers whose wages will be cannibalized. And of course, the idea that rich capitalists own corporate America is a progressive myth. Some 72% of the value of publicly traded companies in America is owned by pensions, 401ks, individual retirement accounts, charitable organizations, and insurance companies funding life insurance policies and annuities. The overwhelming majority of involuntary sharers in stakeholder capitalism will be workers and retirees. You want to subjugate your shareholder interest as a worker or entire retiree to a stakeholder like Klaus Schwab, who's done nothing to invest in the business you work in or your retirement. Good luck with that. Have fun. Now, someone's fighting back. I want to give you some good news. Chest out, chin up moment here, right? Senator Sullivan uh, is doing a great job here to curb the power of these investment firms embracing this stakeholder capitalism is going to screw you over. Did you know he puts in this piece, Zachary Halashek, piece in the Washington Examiner, again, be in the show notes today. These three giants manage over $20 trillion in combined assets. BlackRock, we've covered them extensively. Vanguard and State Street. They're also the largest owners in 96% of the S&P. That consolidation gives them considerable sway in voting on corporate proposals. 
including those that individual fund investors might not support. Senator Sullivan's looking to break that and make sure BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street allow the shareholders in their index funds and ETFs, their shareholders to vote. This is important. We should support this effort. All right, moving on. It's a long segment, but that stakeholder capitalism thing is a rotting, metastasizing cancer. It's going to bury this country in your retirement. You will be hit with an S in front of it, out of money in your retirement if these idiots bury these companies. Here's more proof that the dumbest people on planet Earth, the whole globalist crowd, all managed to find their way, it's magic, Joe, into politics and the entertainment space. Sometimes the politics and entertainment space, they connect. They hit some kind of apex. But this is definitely not the apex of intellectualism. Here's Whoopi Goldberg yesterday. She's talking about a story that broke recently about an official in the Catholic Church in the San Francisco area whose literal job is to manage the church. And he said, listen, these pro-death, pro-abortion people like Nancy Pelosi, that is a position so counter to Catholic Christian doctrine involving the preservation of life that, listen, man, we're not doing this. No communion for you. Well, Whoopi Goldberg was like, well, that's not his job. Keep in mind when you listen, that's his actual job. Here, check this out. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. (laughs) That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. That's his actual job. Right. That's actually what he does. Joe, man, producing the radio show, cleaning up the audio content yeah. and Adobe Audition. That's not your job, dude. I mean, that's your, that is actually your job. Like, that's what you do. That's the guy's actual job. Now, folks, listen, we're all sinners. But the point, and I, I, I'm not going to try to get out of my wheelhouse on Catholic doctrine. I'm not a, a priest or a member of the seminary. But I am a follower and a believer, as a matter of fact. Jesus looks at me every day right here. I keep them right here just to be sure. Also, keep a, keep a, these are gifts from people. Someone gave me that. Uh, Redeemer, Christ, I'm sorry, he fell apart. I got to put a little piece back. And then also, just to show you some other stuff, uh, this is from a Jewish friend of mine, actually, um, gave me that. You know, we're all sinners. I get that. The point is, there are, Obviously, degrees of sin. There's a big difference between an intentional murder, homicide, you know, and, 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 and lying to your spouse about where you got the fast food tonight, okay? And the difference is when you're not seeking any kind of path of repentance at all and you're actually openly advocating for the sin, the termination of infants in the womb. I'm sorry, folks. You have no business in the Catholic Church at all. You have none. That's just my take. I'm not pretending to be a seminarian. All right, moving on. Whoopi Goldberg. It's <laughs> not your job, dude. No, it's actually his job. This is a great clip. I saw this um, on social media yesterday. There is a uh, Canadian politician who's running to be the head of the conservative movement up in Canada, and he went on a Canadian, I think, CBC show. And the media personality on the CBC show perfectly epitomizes what I've been talking to you about over the last few months, actually a few years about risk analysis, how the danger of the COVID crisis was people threw risk analysis out the window, out of fear, locked down the schools, never analyzing what the risk from the lockdown would be and pretending that the risk was only from COVID. This is what I mean. I want you to watch this and pay close attention to how she still doesn't get it. How she keeps, tries to prove a counterfactual here about lockdowns with this, uh, with, I think his name is Roman Barber, was it? Uh, he does a good job here fighting back. Check this out. We're seeing the fruits to bear. We're seeing a mental health catastrophe uh, gripping our country. We know that our children have regressed considerably. We know that, according to the Canadian Medical Association, that already more than 4,000 Canadians lost their lives because of surgeries yeah. delayed. We have an almost doubling in the rate of deaths from uh, overdose. Uh, in Ontario alone, we have more than a million cancer screenings. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone is denying the the side effects of lockdowns. Um, but I, I think you would agree. I, I would hope you would agree 
agree that the tens of thousands of Canadians who died from COVID uh, is also a tragedy and could have been worse if the lockdowns had not been in effect. Well, no, I'm not. If, if we're here to relitigate lockdowns again, first of all, I welcome you acknowledging the collateral harm of lockdowns. That is something that, that wasn't permissible to even discuss when I discussed it first in yeah. January 2021. Yeah. But the jury is still out on whether there's any efficacy to lockdown. We're still seeing the lockdown in some parts of China, uh, sixth or seventh or tenth lockdown. Uh, what, what I suggest is that we should have focused our response on the vulnerable. We know that 80% of the risk was in long-term care homes and congregate yeah. settings. Yeah. Uh, we know that the virus is very, very transmissible. And I'm not sure that it made sense to lock up 37 million Canadians and make themselves sick. There's nothing wrong with demanding accountability from our public health officials. We're questioning them. That's beautiful. Well done. Well done by that gentleman. And I I, want, you know, there's always takeaways here. See, the lifeblood, right, of being actively involved in politics is going to be your ability to address a point and a counterpoint in a debate process, right? You don't know how to debate. It's really hard to stay involved in this space because you're just going to get crushed because liberals lie. They lie all the time. They lie. They lie. Like, like you meet Chal Cinder. If, if they say to you, oh, blacks are being suppressed at the ball and you have the date in front of you, you make her look foolish. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But if you don't, she's just going to continue to lie because these people have very little dignity. He does a great job there. And there's one technique she uses I want you to pay very close attention to. The, what appears to be a, a leftist broadcaster. I don't know her politics, but based on the way she was talking there, she says, well, you know, it would have been worse if, she, if we didn't lock down. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Okay, here's what she does. She does this thing called trying to prove a counterfactual. Well, if the other thing had happened, it would have been better. Yeah, but the other thing didn't happen. So if the other thing didn't happen and time travel is impossible, right, Joe, you can never, ever know what would have happened. So if you can never know it, why bring it up? Well, it's a common debating tactic called trying to prove a counterfactual. It happens all the time with the left and you need to call it out immediately like he does. He says, no, I'm not going to concede that point at all that it would have been better that it would have been better with, uh, without, uh, with, with lockdowns or without lockdowns or worse without lockdowns, I should say. I'm not conceding that point at all. The left does it all the time. Well, man, the tax, those, those tax hikes we had, the economy would have been so much worse if we didn't do the tax hikes. You don't know that. The second thing, she totally disregards, and the guy calls her out on it, totally disregards risk analysis, okay? All right. We lock down the schools and you're saying it saved lives, which you don't know because we don't know what would happen if we didn't lock down schools. But notice how you're claiming it saved lives and you're ignoring all of the other lives put at risk. Lack of cancer screenings due to economic lockdowns, mental health problems with kids, uh, drug problems increasing with kids. And not to mention even the idea that a lockdown may temporarily reduce the risk of you contracting COVID, a lockdown can't be permanent by nature. We'd all be dead if we had to sit in our house all the time. There'd be no food. So all a lockdown does is push the risk into the future. As the uh, conservative commentator points out there, a conservative activist, I'm sorry, points out there that if lockdowns work, why is China? And it's like 10th lockdown. Because every time they open up, the virus spreads again. Don't fall for these common debating tactics. Once you learn to recognize them, you'll never lose a debate. All right, uh, moving on. Big uh, news yesterday in the Sussman trial as well. Uh, You know what? Let me get to my last sponsor. The Sussman trial, pretty big news came out of that again yesterday. The Sussman trial, of course, of Team Clinton and the PP tape hoax. The humiliation also never ends for the media desperate to cover this up. I got that story about January 6th I warned you about. And our surveillance future right ahead of us being out of being outed at the World Economic Forum. Okay, just quickly, I'm not going to bury you with updates on the Sussman trial. Until I see people in handcuffs, I have zero faith in the DOJ. But another uh, pretty explosive revelation yesterday at the trial, Washington Times covered it, Jeff Mordak. FBI leadership concealed Michael Sussman's identity from field investigators, FBI agent testifies. Folks, this is pretty big. Again, speaks to the level of, of, of just disgust I have for the management at the FBI that were involved in this. 
who just disgraced, disgraced the badge and the United States. So Michael Sussman was a Team Clinton-affiliated lawyer. He's the one who brought the tip about Alpha Bank to the FBI. Obviously, the man had a partisan motive, folks. He was being paid by Team Clinton. So in order to conceal that and make the field agents believe they were investigating something real, apparently, it appears they sent an electronic communication from FBI management to the field office being, yeah, well, yeah, with a tip we got, Joe, that tip we got about Donald Trump being connected to this Alpha Bank Trump thing, ah. that came from the Department of Justice. The problem is it didn't come from the Department of Justice. It came from a Hillary-affiliated lawyer. I don't know about you, Armacus, but that sounds like kind of a big omission. Yeah, kind of a big deal? Big yeah. Omission. Yeah, okay. Big deal. I'm not great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And of course, the humiliation never ends for liberal media goons. Oh, uh, the indignity of being attached to this fella. I just can't imagine anymore. If your last name is Bump, change it immediately so no one confuses you being related to this goofball. Here he is, the Washington Post. Notes the date on this. May 23rd. Just checking. Joe, that was yesterday? Yes, that was yesterday. Yeah. Um, again. He writes, there's no evidence Hillary Clinton triggered the Russia. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't. Move, we just get that off the screen. It's just going to upset me and I can't take it. I don't want to. I really, I can't take losing any more dendrites from this guy. Uh, Philip Bum. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. So an important the story. Yeah. The mean love. Yes. What is she doing back there? I don't know what he's doing back there, Phil. <laughs> I, have, I don't know either. Good timing, Joe. That's good to break my anger streak because, you know, I was getting ready to go up. Moving on. This is an important article you have to read in the newsletter today. The great Julie Kelly, a legend, she has a piece in American Greatness. Again, you're not wasting your time here. What have I been telling you for eons now about the January 6th committee? The January 6th committee investigating what they call the insurrection. Worse than Pearl Harbor. Worse than 9-11, right? This is their take on this. Their ridiculous, absurd take on this. They have the FBI investigating this. What the hell would Congress have to do with any of that? So what did I tell you when this started? I said, folks, they're doing this committee for one reason only. It's to intimidate Republican donors and activists before the 2022 and 2024 elections. They are going to go out and subpoena information and try to get donor information elsewhere to say with a wink and a nod, fellas, Hey, man, you donate to those Republican causes in the future, too. We may use that as evidence in the future. Oh, look, as if on cue, Julie Kelly, January 6th committee targets GOP donors ahead of 2022 elections. You can't, you can't write it any better. Go back, folks, go back. The audience archivist, Judy, go back. Find the episode where I first said this, that this was the point of this thing. So the January 6th committee, if you look at this uh, screen cap from the piece, they wound up subpoenaing the Republican National Committee, uh, their sales force records. The subpoena, according to the RNC, would allow the committee to access the private personal information of Republican contributors. The breadth and invasiveness of the sales force subpoena is astounding. Sounds like, um, sounds like something I warned you about. Folks, I promise you, you're never wasting your time here. My words are deliberate. The stories I pick, even though at the time they may not Bake your bagels, particularly your fancy there. I do it for a reason. These stories are the stories that really matter. This is a template going forward. Anytime there's any election controversy, they don't even have to, to you know, lose an election. No matter what they do, they're going to use this template going forward. Investigations of everybody involved in elections they just don't like to make sure they silence you in the future. It was obvious from the start. Read this piece. It's scary. All right, here's my last video of the day. Oh, by the way, uh, there'll be a special guest. It's our one-year anniversary of our radio show today, so uh, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, can't believe it's been a year since we've been on the air, since uh, we uh, replaced on many of the networks uh, uh, the greatest broadcaster ever, Rush Limbaugh. Even to this day, I'm embarrassed being in his spot. The man is a superior talent to <laughs> just about anybody. But it's been a year. And we got a special guest calling in today at one. So check that out. Um, yeah, been a year. That's just bonkers. Here's my final video for today, though. The surveillance future I was warning you about yesterday, where they're going to be able to spy on you through technology is here right now. That's why it's so important to make sure 
that we limit the power of government. Folks, if you want to be surveilled by private companies in the name of convenience, that's your business. Uh, let me just be candid with you. I, you know, I do. Not all the time, but I do. I've been slowly excising Google from my life, not just because they surveil you, but because it's just an evil company. But Florida, you know, we have a turnpike down here. They have a sun pass. Listen, they can survey that's data. You could pay in cash or something. And go, actually, I don't even know if you can pay in cash anymore. But to get on that, you can take another road. You can take 95. You're going to be watched. They're going to know where you travel if you use it a lot. To me, it's a decision I made. It's convenient. It's a decision not many other people, you know, make, and that's fine. But that's different. You have a choice. When government co-ops the technology and forces you to get a vaccine or to take a pill they can monitor you with, don't miss yesterday's show. If you missed it, go watch that clip. You don't have a choice. Here at the World Economic Forum, again, here's the Alibaba Group president, J. Michael Evans, talking about technology in this surveillance future. I'm telling you, if we don't fight this stuff now, the government's going to co-opt all this stuff and we are going to be stuck in a surveillance barrel we can't get out of. Check this out. We're developing, through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's, where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. You see how stakeholder capitalism, stakeholders. Globalists who also push environmental, social governance stuff, environmental activism, are the same people at the World Economic Forum talking about the ability to surveil your carbon footprint? You think that's all a mistake? Well, what are you going to do when companies, when companies are pressured to comply with this surveillance future? Hey, are you watching your client's carbon footprint? Are you surveilling them using the carbon footprint surveillance technology? If not... You know, we're going to disin, uh, disinvest in your company and pull our money out. You see how we tie it all together here? You're not wasting your time, folks. I hope I'm wrong. My gut feeling is I'm not. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to check out the radio show a little bit later. Again, we got a special guest calling in. It's a one-year show. We also got Jim Jordan on. And the voice of our radio show, you'll hear him on Fox News. Guy by the name of Pete. He doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he'll call in briefly in a radio show, too, and you'll recognize the voice right away. See you later. You just heard Dan Bongino.